Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Over the next hour, you'll have the opportunity to listen to Cynthia Hyatt, an internationally recognized therapist and life management expert in private practice with offices in Phoenix and Scottsdale. As a captivating communicator, Cynthia engages, energizes, and inspires her audiences to become all God created them to be. For more information on Cynthia's diverse background, log on to CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Let the next 60 minutes inspire, motivate, and encourage you to become your own best version. Now, here's Cynthia. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm always so thankful that you are joining me today. I have another guest that I have just met that I'm quite excited about and I know you are going to love. This is Christy Osborne. And she is a wife and a mother, a Bible teacher, a speaker, and a prolific mentor in her community, especially to women and to men as well. So she is a wife of 33 years, and she has an amazing husband, Jim. She has, she's a mother to a son, Chris. She is seminary trained, and her background includes over 20 years of training in corporate America. So she has been out in the workforce and knows what it's like <laughs> when we are interacting with the opposite sex. And so she, before launching her career as a writer, she was an executive director of Advanced Training Center for Microsoft Certified Systems Engineers. Wow. So I think she understands men. <laughs> and um, she does um, training, the trainer workshop. She's a certified Microsoft Corporation, and she has managed the implementation team of the largest rollout of Microsoft NT in the United States for Boeing. So she loves teaching. She grew in her early years training scientists geophysicists, geologists, engineers, you would have loved my father, <laughs> and uh, studies the subsurface on the computer in the oil and gas industry. So she has quite a scientific mind, which is really fascinating to me in the way that she has written this book that I am so excited to have you know about. And so she is the author of Dare to Love a Man. And her next book, Beyond the Dare, is soon to follow. And so she really has a contagious passion for God, which is what I love, and his word. And she loves sharing just this life-changing insights on relationships and romance and God's design for the biblical woman. And when we talk about, wow, biblical womanhood, we always hear Proverbs 31 Mm -hmm. in our head. And we always can really put this burden on ourselves. And so... I'm excited about this book. I heard her on another radio show. Our friend Bobby Brewer had interviewed her, and I was mesmerized by this book, and it is Dare to Love a Man, How a 3,000-Year-Old Woman Rescued Her Marriage. So, Christy, mm. thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Cynthia. Well, I'm you know, excited. And can I just say that you are the real deal? Oh, I really so are. I mean, I, Thank I, you. we had a chance to, to talk <laughs> together, and I just so enjoyed getting to know you, and you hear you on the radio, and but you're really that person. Oh, I love that. You. Not well, everybody is, so. I appreciate that. Yes, it was very fun to talk to you off air. You know, it's, you know, the older you get, the bigger your <laughs> life gets, you know, yeah. oh, and, yeah. and I, you know, life really is always happening to yeah. us, isn't it? Sure. So you had... This amazing, because we were talking about actually marriage, and I was telling Mm -hmm. you, you know, my experience of my my, um, early marriage. It was a short marriage, and it was a very, very painful marriage in my early 30s. Did not last long, and God was very gracious to me. And so we were talking about that, and you were talking about how some of what came about with this book is your marriage was almost ending. Yeah, it was. It was. Tell me about that a little bit. Well, we're now 33 years into marriage, but... 
at that time, we were about 13 years into marriage. And I, if you met Jim and I, you would say that we are the sweetest couple, mm. but it definitely was not always that way. Right. And about 13 years into marriage, we started to spiral downhill. Mm-hmm. I had just developed all this negative internal script, this negative thinking about Jim that, as you know, doesn't stay contained. Exactly. And it just grew and grew. And pretty soon we're living parallel lives. And I just couldn't take it anymore. And I just thought, you know what, everything he did, I couldn't stand to be in the same room with Jim, let alone the same bed. And so I just wanted out because I knew I was capable of a great love. And so I sat down with Jim one day and I said, you know what, I, I started planning a divorce behind the scenes, which he did not know. And I would have told you I was a Christian at the time, but I wasn't. And, uh, but I was planning this divorce. We're sitting on the doorstep of divorce and he has, uh, gosh, just didn't take long before he realized what I was getting at because I didn't want him to know that right. I was um, right. planning this divorce. So it took so him a much while. survival. You're totally in survival mode. Yeah, you are. And when we're in survival mode, we don't think clearly. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's just about, I'm going to live through this. Right. Exactly. Very, very self-focused. Right. And we were a volatile couple. So there was right. a lot, there a lot was a passion. lot of gridlock in our marriage, a lot of passion in our marriage, but a lot of gridlock too. And so I just felt like I just had this inner person that was trying to get out and I couldn't. And, and so I just wanted out, period. And so I sat down to see if he would give me how much trouble he was going to give me to get Chris, our son. Wow. Because I knew that lives around me had been shattered and lives of people that worked for me in the corporate world. I didn't want what they had because their lives were shattered from this kind of divorce, a tough custody battle. And I knew that Jim was going to give me a tough time. So I'd love to tell you it was more romantic than this, but I honestly (laughs) just went to the back of the house and I sat down on my bed and I said, oh my goodness, one of those those epiphanies that comes to you that that you know wasn't your own thought. And I thought, I'm going to have to learn to love this man again. And so that became, began a program or a time where I just began to try to rescue the marriage. But the real problem is you only know what you already know. Exactly. And I didn't know any woman or anyone around me that could help me. I had no, uh, nobody I could tell my secret to because we were on the surface, this perfect marriage. Exactly. And, uh, and it makes you look legitimate in the corporate world. Yeah, it does. And it, it makes does. you look more powerful, like you have your more your act together. Yeah, exactly. It does. And we just live in that that that, I don't know, that false stigma. Well, it's like political. It's like we're yeah. staying together for very different, very different reasons other than what marriage was intended to be. Exactly, exactly. And so that began the program, the process. I'll just say program, but the process of me trying to figure out how to save this marriage. And I walked into church. So I started to come, God used this whole thing to bring me back to himself. Got it. And so I walked into church and there was this woman who saw me coming and she knew I was the geek. And you know, the first thing she did, (laughs) Cynthia, she taught me how to study the scriptures from the original languages. Wow. Oh, that would so resonate with you. Oh yeah. Oh Oh, yeah. I was, I was all over it and I'm like, oh my goodness. And so then she went through every single book in the Bible and she gave me a little summary about what each book was all about. And she, when she got to the Song of Solomon, she said it, it was about love, sex, and romance. And that, I didn't hear a word after that. After that, I knew that was what I had to study. So I began to unpack the song, and I knew almost instantly that the Shulamite bride in the Song of Solomon is a love coach for women. Oh, I could wow. tell right away, because I could tell that the, the 
reader's perspective was the women that she was telling her epic love story to called the Daughters of Jerusalem. And so I knew that as a reader, I was the woman she was telling her story to. And she has this, God is just in a, I don't know, a masterful, masterful stroke of brilliance. He really transports you into the present time and you really see love unfolding with a man, a woman loving a man right in front of you. Wow. Well, because you know, as a gender, you know, opposite sex, you know, expert. Yeah. It is timeless. Yeah. And it transcends every culture. Oh, it does. The hardwiring of men, hardwiring of women. It, re- Absolutely. Regardless of the culture that you're in, regardless of the time that you're in, these themes are timeless. Yeah. And you know the most timeless theme that I saw from Shulamite was her ability to bring joy into the man's life. She, wow. like no other woman, every woman needs to know every word of the song. <laughs> That's the reason I unpack every <laughs> single word. Because every woman needs to know that, um, that, what makes a woman so incredibly attractive, in fact, it makes everybody attractive. Absolutely. Is your ability to bring joy into the lives of other people. And so when, I mean, these are the people we want to hang out with, right? Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because one of the most revolutionizing things I explain to women is the power of negativity on a man's brain. Oh, yeah. And what it does Facial expressions, tone of voice, body language, your mood, your demeanor, your outlook on life. When it is negative, what it does is it triggers the amygdala, which is the sympathetic nervous system, Mm -hmm. which is fight, flight, or freeze. They immediately go into survival. And I always say to women, if they need to protect themselves from you, they cannot protect you anymore. Right. It is so oh, I love powerful that. I love what that. happens to their brain. And it's immediate. It's, it's automatic. They, totally, ha- they don't even think about it. I wish I'd known you then. <laughs> if you would have been one of the women in my life, I, of course I never because would have met you. Because the way we problem solve is from a very passionate, negative, hurt perspective. Right. And it makes it so immense. A man's brain is yeah. in gridlock. Right. They can't think when right. we are that negative. And that was so true in my marriage. So true. And when I began to do what she did... So if she didn't do it, I didn't do it. If she didn't say it, I didn't say it. If she didn't feel it, I worked on myself until I felt the way she felt about her man. And when I actually applied the Song of Solomon, imagine applying the scriptures in your own life. (laughs) So when I actually applied it and truly did, because one of the great things about being a former athlete is that you learn that it's okay to be, you have to look really stupid in practice and kind of foolish in practice in a way right. to bring it out on the court when you really need it. Right. Okay. So, so it, it mattered in the little things that I, um, that I loved him well, even in the little places so that when the big times came, when it was difficult, most difficult, then I had what it took to love him well. So it was just one of those, wow. one of those times that, uh, when, if you've ever met somebody or read something or, or a person comes into your life that brings such an, a, just a, an, a new air, a f- breath of fresh air into your life. That's what Shulamite did for me. And she became that love coach. And again, I did what she did. How fun is it yeah. going to be to meet her? Oh, I love it. Wow. Yeah. Oh, this is amazing. Well, you know, I'm excited about this. And when we come back, because we're kind of coming close to the break, 
we're going to really talk about this book, and it actually is done beautifully. Oh, thank you. You know, the colors are beautiful. There's paintings in every section. It's divided like it, as a play as you're reading it instead mm-hmm. of chapters, which is mm-hmm. really exciting. You know, it's like there's a playbill to introduce all the characters. Yeah. So it's, it's this <laughs> novel as you are learning. Yeah. So it's a really, it's really fun. So when we come back, you're going to tell us about how you came to write the book. Okay. And um, that's, you know, your story and how, you know, you, you've already talked about the Shulamite woman, but we're going to give this, this brief summary of those six acts. So I'm really excited about that. So, you know, listeners, I want you to make sure that if you are not able to listen to the show in its entirety, if you're just tuning in, we have with us Christy Osborne. She is talking about her book, Dare to Love a Man, and how the Shulamite woman from the Song of Solomon saved her marriage. So make sure if you are just tuning in, if you can't listen anymore to the show today, that you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. And you can listen to the show in its entirety. So join us again. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, 1360 KPXQ, Faith Talk Radio. Well, welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and you are listening today to our guest, Christy Osborne. She is talking about Dare to Love a Man. If you're just tuning in, you can always listen to the show on CynthiaHyatt.com on my website. And make sure that you visit the website. It's fun. And I appreciate all the comments that you give. And you can also look at my Facebook page, which is Cynthia Hyatt, Inc., that's INC for Incorporated. And that will tell you all the latest things that uh, we're doing. And it will give you some great inspiration and motivation and who, who is next on the show and places I'm speaking. So make sure you visit that and like that page. So, Christy, thank you for being with us today. Thank you. I'm not going to give you the long introduction, but you are quite the scientist <laughs> which in your past life before yeah. you became a prolific teacher mm. and, and author. So you really have a mind that understands men as long as uh, you were also an athlete. Mm-hmm. And listeners, trust me, when you see the picture... <laughs> She is beautiful, too. Oh. <laughs> so now what was the uh, sport you played, like volleyball? volleyball. I mm-hmm. thought so. It was. <laughs> you look like we a met. volleyball player. Yeah. My husband and I met on the volleyball court. Oh, yeah. that's He wonderful. was trying out for the Olympics, by the way, that year. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you are very competitive people. We were. Which is tough are. in a marriage. Yeah. Yes. And then God had a sense of humor and gave us an athlete for a son. Oh, my so, gosh. Yeah, so he's The a, whole house. Oh, yes. Yeah. All this male energy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Lots of testosterone. So you wrote this book because you you are, were really facing a divorce. Mm-hmm. It was critical mass. I mean, you were yep. starting to look at how to divorce and not even telling him, but you were getting all of your plans together. Yep. So, so we talked about the fact that this is how the story of the Shulamite woman really helped you restore your love for your husband. And you're going to give us like a brief summary mm-hmm. because this book is paintings and I mean it is beautifully artistically done I mean it really is and it reads like a novel it's like act, uh, here it is act three springtime of romance I, I, I love it there was a there's a, a person in the book world in the book industry said if a bible commentary and a a romance novel got together and had a baby it would be dare to love a man because it reads like a romance novel and oh, because amazing. it is a story it's a story of an epic love story of Shulamite and um Solomon. So, yeah. you know, some some study some listeners have certainly studied Song yeah. of Solomon oh, yeah. and 
you know, I, I'm glad that you were able to really pull out of it mm-hmm. the experience. Yeah. So tell us about this. Tell us about these the, the six acts. Well, first of all, it starts with Act One that I call Love Awakened. Okay. So we see you ju- you're just dropped right in the middle of this passion. And right away, I knew I was in trouble in my marriage when I saw all this passion going on. You feel like they're... You know, she's having this conversation with the daughters of Jerusalem. I mean, by that, I mean Shulamite's having this conversation. Her name name is Shulamite. Right. She's the Shulamite bride. We don't really actually know her real name. Okay. Okay. That's the name that uh, people have given her. Got it. Because it's the counterpart of Solomon's name. So it's like George and Georgette, because you pronounce Solomon's name Shulamo, and her name is Shulamite in the Hebrew. interesting. Yeah. So we don't actually know who she was, but, but... an entire book was written about her, so we don't ever even know what happened to her. Lots of speculation. Right. We have no idea, but this epic love story exists here in the Song of Solomon, and it starts with a love awakened, and uh, a lot of single girls are interested in that because they want to know what awakens well, love in well, the heart of a starts, man. <laughs> well, it starts out with love is sensuous and passionate, right? so that's awesome. Yeah, that's right. It's true. And then we go into Act 2 where uh, an irresistible beauty So this is where I talk about, you know, you have a woman who is not a textbook beauty. So we find out that Shulamite's not a textbook beauty. I mean, who is? Right. And who thinks they are? Nobody does. Well, and that's one of the biggest things for women. When we talk about, you know, we talked about in the last segment, the power of negativity on a man's brain. Right. Well, you have to understand the power of positivity and confidence on a man's brain. Yeah. They automatically think you're beautiful. I can't tell you. So true. This has been over the 26 years of being a therapist. I can't tell you how many times, because I have lots of men on my caseload. They say, I can't wait for you to meet my girlfriend. Can't wait for you to meet my wife, you know, because their marriage is getting better, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And they say, she's the most beautiful woman you've ever seen. She is knock, she's a knockout. We go out. She is a head turner. And I'm like, wow, I can't wait to meet this woman, yeah. right? She comes to my office, and I'm like, not a textbook beauty. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's not what I expected. Right. But in his eyes... She is a knockout. He would die for her. She is it. so beautiful. Yeah. If she's confident yeah. and if she is, you know, assertive and not aggressive, yeah. but confident and positive yeah. and happy. Yeah. And it's like, you know, and I know that women are, are hearing us say this, and you and I both have experience mm-hmm. in very difficult marriages. Mm-hmm. So when you and I say confidence, happiness, bringing joy, that truly is our way of loving a man. It isn't necessarily always how we feel. Right, right. And that's huge. Yes, yes. Because it is, you know, and, and you know, if we were to ever talk about what men have to do as a sacrifice right. to love us. Right, You know, it's like that is part of what we so do true. to make love happen. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so, sorry. Well, and that's, like but the beauty is important because there's, yes. there are, there's a place in there where she says, I am, she she knows that the daughters of Jerusalem are looking at her like because they're really they really are textbook beauties right and they're looking at her like how did that girl get that guy exactly. they want to know and you know I bring this out and I show you in the text that that's actually what's happening and she says you know what don't stare at me you know she's 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 telling him don't glare at me because I know I'm not a textbook beauty essentially she's saying right. I know I'm not a textbook beauty but I am lovely. Wow. So she knows it matters how you see yourself. That's right. And I knew that it mattered how I saw myself, too. And it's not about being a narcissist. Mm -hmm. So I talk about that there. I talk about, you know, there are women that, you know, they're full of themselves when we think about a narcissist. Mm -hmm. But there are also women who are self-loathers. But either way, your eye is on yourself. Well, and if you've ever been around a beautiful woman physically, 
that is unhappy, negative, yep. self-loathing. It doesn't matter. Self-centered. She becomes yeah. very ugly as she soon does. as she opens her mouth. Yeah. But the, the women that are really actually taking hold of how valued they are, mm-hmm. that God values them so much, and they recognize their value, the loveliness comes out of value. Right. It isn't about how the world perceives me. Right. It's about how much I value me, mm-hmm. how much I care about me, mm-hmm. the relationship I have with me then that exudes from within me. Sure. And that's what people experience. Yes, exactly. And it's exciting because um, there in Act 2, we talk all about these character traits that she has that are unexpected. You find out that she's this dazzling, powerful woman that breaks everything that you can think of when it comes to social norms of her time. Like what? Uh, well, she's, she, like I say, she's powerful. So right. you find out that she can take the heat. She can take a hit in life. You find out that she, he says. She's what, taking it from the women in the group. She's taking it from the women. She takes it from her family. So we, you find out that her, her brothers are treating her badly. So she, all, right. and she takes, and she takes a hit from her circumstances. So there's really kind of very little hope that she could ever find love because she's been hidden away Working and slaving away in a vineyard. And she, yes, and she talks about the color of her skin. Yeah, and she talks about the color yes. of her skin. She says, I'm dark, but I'm lovely, like the tents of Kadar, which we can talk about if you want to, because that's right. one of the metaphors that unpacks, that, we, that I unpack, that talks a lot about her strength and her ability, her resilience in life. Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, I think this is so powerful because, you know, in today's world, we there is so much pressure on women. And there's yeah. always been pressure on women to to be focused on their appearance. But even more so now with the ability oh for augmentation. And there, there gives women this idea that, well, if I just had money, if I just had time, I could go get all that stuff done and mm-hmm. then I'd be beautiful. Right. You know, instead of recognizing God values how he created us yep. and he wants us to value ourselves. And in that, always we appear lovely. Amen. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment. We have Christy Osborne talking about her book, Dare to Love a Man. And this book is written beautifully. I am really recommending this to all you readers. Join me. We are at a hard break. We're coming back. This is Cynthia Hyatt, 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk Radio. Well, welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Thank you so much for joining me. And if you are just tuning in, I have with me Christy Osborne. She has written the book, Dare to Love a Man, How a 3,000-Year-Old Woman Rescued Her Marriage. And I'm telling you what, I love metaphors and analogies, and I love art. And this book is so powerful in how it takes the story of the Song of Solomon and the Shulamite woman and her story as to the type of woman she was. And she was average in many ways when it came to appearance, but she Mm -hmm. was not average in spirit. And she was so deeply loved and sought after by Solomon. And to the consternation of her friends and her community that could not believe that he was moving heaven and earth to be with her. Mm -hmm. And so I love just that idea, especially for single women, But I love the idea of how we can resurrect marriages, how we can really bring out of our husband just the love that we are needing by changing who we are and and not changing the essence of how God made us, Mm -hmm. but the way we view ourselves, the way we come across, the way we value ourselves teaches the husband, our boyfriends, 
coworkers, whoever it is, sure. sons to value us as well. Yeah. I love that, Cynthia. I love it. And so finish with these, oh, these, okay. these acts, because I, I kind of cut you off. So th- th- there's six acts in this book, because it's written like a play. Right. So we did Act 1, the, yes. the um, Love Awakened. Act 2, Irresistible Beauty, What Makes a Woman Irresistible. Act 3 is Springtime of Romance. So I tell girls, because we do what she does when we come to class. And in the book, I do the same thing. There are exercises in the book. So if you do what, what she does then there is no doubt you are going in headlong into a springtime romance because he's got to have some of that girl. <laughs> and so and so she goes into a springtime romance and then after that into a wedding and honeymoon. So the, so love deepens into wedding and honeymoon. And then after that, we get into paradise lost. Aren't you glad? So you see the only argument, the only fight, so to speak, between a married couple in the Bible and I lay out the pattern for that Wow! In, in Paradise Lost. Isn't it amazing how God does that? I know. I love it. He just gives us such wonderful yeah. scripting. And he shows you exactly what caused the problem. And if God is showing me what causes relationships to start to split up and what she did about it, I'm listening. Wow. And it did. It does help. It, it helps every woman that I've ever taught. This it is to. amazing. Yeah. So we can get into that. Okay. And then act six is a lifetime lover. So all, a lot of little, um, you know, what it looks like to live in a, in a life of love successfully. And I tell women, you know, we've swallowed this idea of a fairy tale, you know, so we've, we have this yes. idea of a fairy yes. tale, but it's not that it's not that a fairy tale is that we swallowed that we can't have a fairy tale it's that you can have it without effort well and i think the other thing is the fairy tales didn't flesh out the reality of exactly. how the fairy tale actually happened yeah exactly. it just gave you the like surface so many people can look at your life and think you have a fairy tale yeah. and you do ah. but beneath was the creation of that fairy tale exactly and here's the good news about the song. It's I'm gonna I'm gonna steal the thunder here. I right? love it. You ready? Please. Spoiler alert. <laughs> it fold the end folds back on the beginning. Wow. It's a circle. It's a cycle. So at the end, you come back to the beginning. So it doesn't matter whether you're a single woman or a married woman. The act one applies to you just as much as act six applies to you. So it's the cycle of love. So every single woman needs to hear what it's like, what, what's expected of her when she reaches marriage. And every married woman needs to know what's expected to keep that attraction alive that you see in the beginning of the song, because right in the middle is where she gets married. Wow. So it's really, it's really kind of neat. Yeah. Oh, I love this. Okay, mm. so we have like two minutes okay. before we come up. So how, you now you, you have all these great metaphors. So just give us this one as we are ending this, okay. this little segment, this, this um, Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 9. To me, my darling, you are like my mare among the chariots <laughs> of Pharaoh. Now, somehow that does not sound like a compliment, but this guy... <laughs> Solomon is thinking this is the compliment of all compliments. It is, and it is. And it isn't is. that how men, we ha- what happens oh, yeah. with men? They give us this compliment, and we look at them like, are really? you kidding me? <laughs> that is not a compliment. So he calls her a horse, right? <laughs> oh, I know. Well, but I, this is the only metaphor that I understood immediately. Okay. Everyone else, I had to do a lot of research, but I was raised on an Arabian horse ranch. Oh, And I yes. knew with the Egyptian Arabian, he's talking about with, Mara, with Pharaoh, he's talking about the Egyptian Arabian horse. And so I knew the, the history of the horse because I'd written many papers on it. I'd done so much research on it growing up. And what he's essentially saying is that um, all the, the pedigrees are, are followed through the mare and not the stallion because the mares were priceless. They were used as the war mares. So the mare is the one used in war, 
And she was the one used in war because she wouldn't attract the enemy. Because if you can imagine, you're raiders. And so the raiders are coming, literally split across the desert, and you don't want a stallion snorting at the oncoming horses, but a mare won't do, and a mare won't do that. So she doesn't so give really away the positions. Yeah, she, wow. she doesn't give away their position. But she also is brought into the tents at night. Wow, yeah. this is amazing. Yeah. So join me again. We have one more segment with Christy Osborne. We're going to have to have you back. Oh. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and we are with Christy Osborne and her book, Dare to Love a Man. Well, thank you for joining me today. This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia, and this is our last segment. So if you are just joining in, please make sure that you go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com, and you can listen to the show in its entirety. You can also find it on the 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk uh, website as well. But today we have with us Christy Osborne who has written a book, Dare to Love a Man, and it is how a 3,000-year-old woman rescued her marriage. I'm telling you what, this book is really powerful. And for us as women, it reads like a romance novel, and it gives us such great insight into men and the, the heart and the minds of men and what is so amazing about how they value us and how to make sure that you are not circumventing the way they want to love you, the way they are attracted to you, and not seeing it through the eyes of the world, which is what we find with the Shulamite woman who was not considered attractive in her time and was very envied Mm -hmm. because she captured the best of the best men. Mm -hmm. So we left off with this idea (laughs) that in Psalm, you know, in Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 9, it says this, he's giving her this great compliment saying, to me, my darling, you are like my mare among the chariots of Pharaoh. And, you know, we were laughing because we're like, (laughs) I'm a horse? That is a a compliment? Oh, my gosh. You know, so you were giving us some insight about what that really meant. Well, and and that's what I said is that it's, um, you know, living on an Arabian horse ranch, I knew that all of the history of the Arabian horse, all of the pedigrees were, were traced to the mares and not the stallions because you wanted to have the get or the, the offspring of one of three mares. And that's what made them so priceless. If you got a get from one of these three mares, you could not buy her, you could only breed for her, and you could only steal her if you wanted to get her. And there was one price that was legendary of a purchase. So you couldn't even buy her. So she these, was so valuable. She's so valuable. She was brought into the tents at night. So you can imagine she's this powerful war mare taken into war who could take the thrust of an enemy's spear and keep moving forward. So each of these three mares... And how much that rider depended on her to win. Oh, yeah. And that's... See, that's your man. Yeah, that's the, that's the warrior going into battle with courage. And wanting to take you. Yeah. And have you be alongside. Yeah. Can you and imagine? fight with him. Yeah. Can you imagine Instead what it would be you like? leave at home. Yeah. Right. Exactly right. That's exactly what that metaphor because means. Because I tell women all the time, you have to understand, men marry to have a companion and a regular sex partner. Mm-hmm. They don't want to go out and have to hunt for a sex partner again. Right. They want to have a sex partner that, that is there, willing, wanting, that loves them, right. desires them, and they want a partner, a best friend. And I say to women, notoriously in, in my practice, I have talked to men and I say, who's your best friend? They always say their wife, mm-hmm. even when their marriage is in complete shambles. Really? They still say, my wife. Wow. 
And they value that so much. They want that woman around. And I say, you know, my husband likes me at home. He doesn't necessarily want to talk to me. Yeah. But he loves having me around. He likes to, me to go to the store with him. He likes to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, all, he just likes to have me with him. Mm-hmm. I'm very valuable to him, not as a possession, but as a companion. Yes. Because men with companions, they don't necessarily chat. Right. They like to be with them. Yes. And it's yeah. hard to learn that being with a man. Oh, yeah. But this is a great example. It is. And I go to Home Depot with Jim. I mean, I do yes. everything with Jim. Yes. Jim and I do everything together. And and when, when I began to do this, when I began to live out Shulamite in my, or I merged her love story with mine, if you will. Yes. When I began to do that, uh, I began to be the woman that Jim could not he, he had to be and around. he couldn't live without. He couldn't live without. That's right. He just couldn't. So, and, so we are like in the last segment. Yeah. And we're going to have you back because I want to talk to you about these classes that you give for women and really give listeners an idea of what you really do teach because it's very practical mm-hmm. and very applicable. And, and you make such a complicated thing very simple, which yes. I love. That's the scientist in you. It is. So tell us, what, what is the most, like, on your heart the most, especially coming today to the show, what did God really lay on your heart that you want listeners to hear? I think the biggest thing for me was to learn that I was responsible for keeping love alive in my own heart for Jim. So talk about that. That's really powerful. Well, it's, you know, just as it's Jim's job to keep his love alive for me, it's my job to keep my heart alive with love for Jim. So that means pushing out the things that aren't going to keep me there. Now, I'm not talking about where there's criminal activity or anything. You know, I'm talking about goodwilled man. And I'm married to a goodwilled man. And although I don't know that I would have told you that at one time, <laughs> to be honest with you, but, but when we, I began to love him well, he began to live up to that. And I began to, I can't wait. If we come back, we'll talk about what purified oil means. And that means calling out the good in Jim. So understanding that he's God's uh, son and then calling out those qualities that I see in Jim, even when I don't necessarily see them coming out at the moment well you know this is a really important concept because we do this as moms yeah we do we bring this out in our children Mm -hmm. we do we bring it out in our girlfriends Mm -hmm. but somehow we think that men are just they're supposed to arrive and just be this man that we want them to be and we forget that god said it's not good for a man to be alone he needed a helper yeah and that doesn't mean we're helping him by picking him apart and telling him who he's supposed to be (laughs) right you know that never never works and besides it's not kind right but it's really being able to come alongside, encouraging, mm-hmm. loving, having a consistent warmth toward him. Yes. Which is tough. Yes. You know, it and, can be. and it's, it's keeping that love alive and how I think. Right. That has so much, to, because our minds are always thinking. Yeah. We never stop. Mm-mm. Men do. I wish mm-hmm. I could borrow that brain. I do too, don't you? know, you? <laughs> but we're constantly watching, you know, perfecting, mm-hmm. critiquing, shoulda, coulda, woulda, if only then. I mean, we just go on and on and on. Yes. So how do you help women with that, Keep that keeping that love alive? Well, first of all, it's getting rid of the negative internal scripts. So yes. learning how to get rid of that negative internal script. So... For me, it was loving Jim well, focusing on love, not focusing on the negative aspects of our marriage, but but just sort of setting that aside, knowing that I can come back to this. We're going to work on this later, but I've got to restore love first. So I restored love in my own heart, and in and I, it was a battle because it's a yes. you know the battlefield of the mind, and it was constant. I had to fight negative thoughts. I had to continue to uh, battle those ideas that were um, that were causing me to have a distorted view of my husband. 
And so as I did that, and as I worked on that, and Shulamite gave me the the exact way, you know, it, you, you, you remove something from what you're doing, but you have to put something else in its place. And so she gave me the ingredients to put in place. So I, I began to love like she did. And as I began to love like she did, it filled in those gaps, those voids. Because you can talk to a woman and say, don't do that anymore. Okay, well, that only creates a vacuum. And we know what, ha- what happens right, there. Right, And so that vacuum gets filled with all kinds of... And the enemy is very willing to fill that vacuum. Exactly. And help us out. Exactly. So you talked a little... I don't know if we have time, but you talked a little bit about the one place in the Bible that is an argument between a man and a woman. Oh, yeah. And the Shulamite woman kept her love alive through that... Mm-hmm really difficult time. She did. Yeah. She actually, she, if you want to know what God would say, yes, breaks apart a relationship. It's apathy. Yes, It starts with apathy. So she says he knocks on the door. He's, he's out in the cold winds of the world. He's coming home and he wants to bring his wife into his arms. We don't know if he wants sex, but he sure wants in the door. <laughs> but, uh, but she doesn't. She said, oh, do I have to put on my dress she's again? She's too busy. She's too busy. She's yes. too, well, she's just too, she's too lazy. Well, she I'll already be honest. did her night thing. Yeah, she took her ready. makeup off. Yeah. She already had her, she was ready to go to bed. Yeah. And she doesn't want to open the door to him. Well, what happens, metaphorically, what happens is when love begets love. So if you don't give love, then you don't get love. So by not giving love, love walks away. And so she began to, what, what did she do? I think this is the really impactful part. She chased love. She chased it. She went after love. She risked actually life and limb, which I, I flesh out in the book. She li- risked life and limb to get love That's right. Back. She went out in her robe and chased through the streets looking for him. With myrrh dripping on her fingertips yes. because he had left a a lover's calling heart card by slipping through the door handle. And I explained that he slips through the hole in the door, leaves, leaves myrrh dripping on the handle. She touches that handle. Now her fingers are dripping with myrrh. And that was, that was what prostitutes did. They attracted men to their bed with fragrances like myrrh. And so she was seen as a prostitute out in the, uh, trying to attract men or an adulteress trying to attract men. And so she... She risked everything. She risked everything. She did. But she found love. She found it. And it was glorious. The whole process, you know, we don't have time to flesh it out here, but the entire process to see her chase love, pursue love. And there's another part in the book where she actually creates a lover's tryst. So she organizes a lover's tryst in the countryside with her man. So that's one of the things that we do in class. And one of the things you do in the book is you actually, you know, we always wait for him to love us. But after marriage, if marriage is about Christ and his bride, the church, are you telling me that we as brides do not pursue Christ? Oh, no, we pursue Christ. And so I began to see that unfold before me. I saw it in Shulamite. And now I pursue my husband, which he is. Let me tell you, he never pursued me before. And what well, he did in the beginning, right? right? Exactly, beginning. exactly. But it got to the point where he did not pursue me, but that all changed. So women are afraid that if I do all the pursuing, that I'm going to have to do all the work. Oh, no. He catches the vision. And I, I truly believe, and I've seen this play out in the lives of many women that I've mentored and taught, that you cannot outdo a man when it comes to romance. Well, and you know, I think <laughs> that's so powerful because when I when I talk to women about this idea of men and you know, I say at about the age of six or seven is when they say to their mom, mom, don't kiss me. Yeah. Mom, stop. Mm-hmm. Don't hug me. Right. 
from that point on, where do they get touched? Yeah. Only if they're having sex. True. Or unless they're on the football field and they're slapping each other, you know, and whatever right, you know, right. what they're doing. You know, but otherwise, you know, it's, it's only in today's ro- world that it is finally, like, mm. acceptable for them to go to get a massage. Right. But, they, but we, women get touched all the time. Mm-hmm. We're constantly hugged. We're kissing each other. We go get our nails done, our toes done. We're getting massages, we our each hair other. done. Mm-hmm. We're always, you know, we're going to the doctor. We're always getting touched. Our kids are climbing on us. Our kids right. want to be with us. And so I say to women... You're it. You're mm-hmm. the only one that touches him. Mm-hmm. Do you want other people touching him? Oh. So think of how starved he is for attention in that mm-hmm. way. That we get people coming always to us, the makeup counter, right? You can't even walk through the makeup counter with someone wanting to hand you something and touch your face and right. give you something. It's not the case with men. Right. So, you know, you don't see a man walking into an office and say to his friend, hey, you know, can I just have a hug today? <laughs> no, you know, it's not going to happen. <laughs> and so it's really yeah. that this idea of creating this tryst mm-hmm. of what that does to a man feeling loved. And the more loved he feels, the more that magnifies toward you. And you're so right, Cynthia, because that's exactly what happened in my marriage. It's exactly what happened. As I began to love him this way, and I began to get rid of the things that I was bringing into the marriage, the rules and the, you know, sometimes we put rules in marriage where God has none. Yes, indeed. And I got rid of a lot of the that. The critiquing. The critiquing, the negativity, all of that as I began to overcome that. Um, the, and, the, and, you know, the only hope you have of overcoming a negative script is to build a positive script that dominates it. And so that's what I did. And choose to think on that. You do. Because once you traffic on the negative script again. That's right. It's growing the negative script. And so now I know, and I know to teach women to, to traffic on the positive. And when she does that, and when I did that, my heart grew, my heart, my love grew for Jim. And I was once again, and I truly believe this, I truly say this because it happened, head over heels again in love with wow. my husband. And him head over heels again in love with me. He said, can I get tell you the message that Jim Please. told me to tell you today? Yes, tell me. <laughs> he said, okay, I said, Jim, if there's one message that you want to give women, what would it be? And he said, this is the message. Our love is better now and has been better for the past 10 years than it ever was, even in the first, second, third year of marriage. It's better now. So much better. I love that. Yeah. Well, it's been so good to have you today. Please Thank tell you. the listeners how they can get hold of you, how they can get the book quickly. Okay, ChristyOsborne.com, C H R I S T Y O S B O R N.com. And you can find the book on my website right there, Dare Perfect. to Love a Man. Because we will have it also, um, we will make sure that people can find out how to get hold of it as well from us. Okay. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Please visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. Join me next week. So thankful that you joined me again at Cynthia Hyatt at 1360. KPXQ Faith Talk Radio. And inspiring to you. We'd like to remind listeners that this show isn't a replacement for professional counseling or therapy. The messages and teachings shared during this show are given as a way to teach listeners with ideas and insights about how to become your own best version. Cynthia is available as a keynote or guest speaker for corporate or spiritual events. To contact Cynthia, go to CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, You can hear a replay at any time at faithtalk1360.com. Join us again next Sunday at 4 p.m. for Conversations with Cynthia on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.